Shauna and Jody here with Real Sisters, Real Talk. We're glad to have you joining us as we talk about growing in our faith with God. Hey, hey, welcome to 2024. We are well into a brand new year and you're listening to Real Sisters, Real Talk. I'm Shauna, that's my sister Jody, and we're talking about Romans 12, 1 and 2 kicking off 2024, just how we can transform our minds from the way that we think naturally to the way that God thinks and how that changes our whole life. And I cannot believe that we're already in the second month of the year, halfway through the second month of the year. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Tomorrow is also the first day of Lent, kicking off a season of just focusing on what Jesus did for us and getting our hearts ready to celebrate his death on the cross and his resurrection and what he won for us through all of that. And it's an exciting time of the year. Happy Valentine's Day, Jodes. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you. And so to all you um, out there who have significant others, um, just a reminder, go buy some little chocolates or something today because <laughs> uh, tomorrow we celebrate. But yeah, um, this is a very fun time of year. Um, I would love to jump into the Lent season, but I want to ask you a question first. So do you guys yeah. go out for dinner on Valentine's Day? Usually not on Valentine's Day. We do celebrate Valentine's Day, but it's usually not actually on the 14th. It's usually uh, the following weekend sort of thing. Kind of try to avoid the the big crowd on the 14th. What about you? Yeah. No, I remember before we had kids or anything, I remember going to a restaurant on Valentine's Day and we got there and it was like, I don't know, a three hour wait. And we have never done that again. I make a nice dinner and I you know, put out the red tablecloth. And when the kids were little, I would make heart-shaped cakes and, you know, that kind of stuff to make it fun. But um, yeah, we do not hit a restaurant on Valentine's Day. It's just too, too busy. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. So transitioning into Lent, what have you done kind of historically to ready your heart for Lent? Yeah. You know, there's some some fun things. We actually, um, at Emmanuel Church, we record some videos. And so I get to be a, a part of that planning team. And so I get to even plan out some of the curriculum. But um, so we release these videos that people can watch and they once a week they'll drop. And so this year we're talking about kind of almost the theology of Easter. So like, um, what is mm. Lent? What What is, why did Jesus ride in on a donkey? You know, some of those kind of titles. And so I'm really excited about that. And I do like reflecting on those, being intentional about leading, walking up to um, Easter and preparing my mm -hmm. heart. I do, um, you know, I didn't, we didn't do this when we were little, really like give something up. And I used to like, you know, give up chocolate or, and there was always in this ulterior Alter, what is the word? Alterio motive? A different motive. Mm -hmm. I would not. <laughs> yeah. we'll, just pick, we'll just pick a new word. Um, <laughs> but if we, it, it, you know, there's oftentimes when I would think, well, I, you know, I need to break the habit of, you know, eating chocolate every day. And so I'm going to choose this instead of God, what are you inviting me to give mm -hmm. up? And what would you like me to replace that with? And so I've really, mm -hmm. you know, over the years, I've shifted my thinking of, um, and my preparation for if there is something that God is inviting me to give up and what he is inviting me to replace that with so that it's not a um, secular version of holy habits, but I'm actually creating some holy habits. So, you know, it might be that, you know, if God is 
is asking you, you know, you hear like, yeah, I gave up sweets for um, Lent, which is totally fine. You can give up sweets for Lent. But then there's this kind of martyr thing of, yeah, I can't eat anything because I gave up sweets for Lent. Instead of, you know, instead of reaching for sweets, I'm going to quote this scripture or I'm going to memorize a verse. Or so every time I'm tempted to eat a sweet, I'm just going to memorize a verse. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to announce it and be a martyr. Um, It might be, um, you know, fasting one day of the week. Um, from food. And then, you know, you replace that with uh, breath prayer or um, spending time in God's word because you do end up when you're fasting, you end up with more time. And so um, just the, I think the, the shift of the focus of is God inviting me to take something away? And, and then what am I to replace that with that is godly and holy? So another example is like, if I take away Netflix, I can spend more time studying God's word or I can spend t- more time memorizing scripture because I'm not spending time on, you know, TV or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of um, how I like to lean into it. We do have a, a big service on, um, we call it the anointing service on the eve of, evening of Lent. And we incorporate it into our prayer and worship service where we actually mm-hmm. get to um sit and worship for an hour. We get, we have prayer team, multiple prayer teams where people can get prayed over and, um, anointed with oil. And it's just a beautiful way Mm -hmm. to physically enter into this. This is holy time. This is holy time. Mm -hmm. And we need to recognize it as holy time. How about you? Well, I love what you were. Well, I do. Um, I have a, I have a practice of fasting, just outside of Lent in my regular life. And, and one of the things, so I learned this in fasting outside of Lent, but it applies to Lent as well, is just that, it, just like you said, it can become an opportunity to say, oh, I can't have this or, oh, you know, I really want that, but I'm not going to because, because of Lent, I gave it up for Lent, which really kind of puts the spotlight on me, if you will, and how right. sacrificial I live my life, you know, rather than, and when I'm regularly fasting and there's something that I've chosen not to have for that day, um, one day a week, you know, not having food, but just having liquids on that day. And I'm really hungry and I want to sink my teeth into something is that I've gotten into the practice of saying, I do want that because God wants us to be honest with him and not lie about it. But, you know, to say to him, I do want that, but I want you more. Yeah. I want knowing you intimately more. I want walking with you more. And even to be reminded specifically during Lent of everything that Jesus gave up for you and me when he came, he left heaven to be human and to be even not even just like a human, like 34 year old adult human who could rule and reign, but he came as a newborn baby. There's just so much that he gave up for you and me honestly, I'm not going to whine about not having a chocolate for 40 days or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's such a great practice. I just encourage you to, maybe this is new for you and you're stepping in for the first time. Don't set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up for intimacy with the Lord. And if you do fail, don't see it as, well, shoot, I had chocolate. So now it's over and I'm just going to keep, you know, eating chocolate from now to Christmas. And chocolate's not the thing. We're just using that as an example. But Really, it is an opportunity to draw near to to the Lord, but also to recognize what he's done for us, which kind of segues us into what we want to talk about today. So we've been throughout this year looking at Romans 12, 1 and 2 and how God transforms us 
into whole new people by renewing our minds, by changing the way that we think. And there are a lot of ways that we think that don't line up with scripture. They come from our experiences and they shape how we behave. And so we want to be honest about what those things are and then look at scripture and see what the Bible has to say and see what God has to say about those things. You want to get us into this one, Jodes? I'd love to. So the lie that we um, wanted to talk about today is um, I've been good and so God owes me, which is really this transactional faith. Um, So to give some examples of that, um, you know, I might be facing something difficult in my life. Um, maybe, maybe a loved one is sick and I say, you know, God, I go to church every Sunday and still my mom is sick. So I don't understand what, what is, it's that transactional. If I do this for God, then Mm -hmm. God owes me good things or God owes me health. Um, we might say, you know, I read my Bible every day, God, and still you haven't brought me a spouse because I think that as long as I do this, you owe me that that's setting us up for disappointment that's setting us mm-hmm. up um, in God. And th- there's nowhere that it says, if you attend church every Sunday, none of your loved ones will get sick. There's no place in scripture that we can find this. And yet this is a truth that, this is a lie that we have we have accepted as a truth um, in just our way of thinking in our culture, I think. And so, um, I mean, there's so many ways that we can apply this and hopefully we'll hit a few other ideas along the way, um, you know, one of the one is it, you know, if I tithe, then, then God's gonna just bless me abundantly with all kinds of money. And the truth is Mm -hmm. our needs are provided for, you know, we're, we are, there might be things that we want, but are they, our needs (laughs) are provided for. And Mm -hmm. so there's, There's just that, that transactional thinking, God is not our genie. If I do this and Mm. I rub the lamp, then God, you have to do this for me. And that's, that's wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. Um, We want to serve God because of what he has done for us. He did it first. He, his love comes first. So yeah. What do you think about that sister? Yeah. The, well, the wrong thinking, it's its really genuinely prideful thinking to think mm-hmm. that the God of the universe who created everything and has existed for all time and will exist for all time owes me or you anything at all. What he did for us in sending his son and providing a way for us to be in right relationship with him for all eternity, to be perfectly loved forever and ever and ever in his presence is so far beyond what I deserve and what I do out of gratitude because of what he's done for me is not to try to, to, you know, twist his arm behind his back and get him to do anything. He's already done way more than what I deserve. And everything that I do for him is out of gratitude and in response to the fact that he loved first. God doesn't owe me anything. Yeah, and I think that's the the really the key there. I mean, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world 
this is him reaching to us, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So it's, it's mm-hmm. God first. If you look through the word of God, all the way through the old Testament too, it's, it's God reaching to his people. It's God reaching to us first. And anything we do is in response to his love and the way that he reaches to us. And so again, I think keying in on that, that prideful thinking, like we, we think, we think so much of ourselves, don't we? I mean, mm-hmm. I think in, in that we think of ourselves often and we think so highly of ourselves, right? right? Because everything goes through this thinking. And so I would love to say that that's not true, that I'm not a selfish thinker, but every thought I have is about how it affects me, right? Because that's literally the way that we think. And, and so, you know, we, that's where this wrong thinking comes in. We think that God owes us and the truth is we we just are should be so grateful and humble before him and grateful for all he has done for us and the way that he's at work in our lives the way that he's teaching us and growing us and and desiring an intimate relationship with us man that should rock our worlds hmm. yeah there's a theology there's a theology that tells you you should have what you want to have when you want to have it. It's often referred to as a health and wealth type of a mentality towards life, right? That that God owes you all of these things. And, oh, man, we are so blessed. And I don't mean hashtag blessed, like have the nice car. Well, okay, here's, here's a, a real um, maybe wrench in the works when it comes to theology of... I should have what I want when I want it. The life of Jesus. <laughs> we already talked about this, but he didn't have the best chariot and the best horses and the best accommodations. And he wasn't born into a palace. He, he was born into a, he had a very, very earthly, humble lifestyle. He didn't have all the things. So if Jesus didn't have all the things, then what would make me think that that Jesus wants me to have all the things. And I think we can get confused in scripture too, because God does promise us abundant life, but abundant life is defined differently by God than it is by you and I, the things that we seek after that we think are going to satisfy the abundance that we think is going to make our hearts happy. Right. Right. Because God is, God is concerned about the work in us and the abundance of that we we tend to look at um again what we talked about last week our comfort right that's where we see abundance is you know how many things do i have i even think you know and i don't think that we do this intentionally but i even think some of the way that kind of the christianese that we use sometimes and i'm i'm not saying that in a sarcastic way like we we all you know we're all you know growing and leaning in and i i have said this too but often like Okay. So I'm going to get to my point. An example of like, we ask people to pray for us, you know, can you pray for my um, sister who is sick and we're just praying for healing for her. And then healing comes and we say, yes, she was healed. God is so good. God answers prayer. Yeah. God is good. And God answers prayer. Even if she died, God is good. And God answers prayer, but we tie like, or we'll say, you know, yes, this worked out. I got my new job. Um, you know, I am so blessed because you got what you wanted. 
you're so blessed? No, mm -hmm. because God is God and he, he has reached to us in love and we are saved by grace. I am so blessed. I'm not blessed because I got what I wanted. I am blessed because I am chosen and I mm -hmm. am dearly loved. And so we, we look so, we look to the external, we look to the superficial for, um, the, the fulfillment of God at work. And, and the thing is God is at work in us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we need to, yeah. to tie it to. So I think that, you know, you know, and I'm not saying we can't say like, yes, she's healed. God is so good for sure. We can say that. And that's not sacrilegious. That's not, you know, speaking a, a lie, but I think that, um, can kind of feed this wrong thinking of, you know, I went to church, I put it out on the prayer chain. And so God needs to heal, or I, you know, mm -hmm. went to church every Sunday. And so God needs to give me this job. It, it can feed that thinking when we word things that way. And so even when things don't turn out the way we are, God is still good and we are still so blessed. Mm -hmm. um, that needs to be our truth as well. That's good. Have you ever wrestled with this lie in your own life where you've struggled with thinking that somehow you were owed something because of I don't know, because you didn't do what the cool kids were doing. I mean, that's how, it, that's how it hits me. I definitely go back to when I was in high school and people were doing things that, you know, were not honorable to God. And I think, and I think, man, I'm not participating in any of those things. And yet, you know, those are the cool kids. It seems like all the people who are the shiny people and who are doing all the things that, you know, make them popular and I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And it, it doesn't feel like it's paying off. I definitely remember wrestling through that in my high school years. How about yeah. you? Yeah. That, I mean, that's such a great example. And I think I will tell you, and I will tell you one kind of illustration, but when you were saying that, it just made me think of the life of Paul, right? Like he was doing all the right things. He was preaching the gospel and they stoned him and they beat him yeah. and, you know, and they imprisoned him. And like, you know, you just, but we do have that thinking of, you know, God, I'm the one living for you. Why is this not happening? So one of the examples that I thought of when you asked that question was um, when our kids were little, um, Tyler, our son was diagnosed with asthma when he was um, two years old. Not, um, yeah, just like two years and three months old. And um, that's how vivid it is in my memory is I literally remember the day he was diagnosed. Um, and it is a, asthma is a, a terrible, terrible thing. There are lots of terrible illnesses out there. And asthma is one of them um, because you, you experience this, um, like your child can't breathe. And that is mm. so frightening. And so, and it would often for Tyler, you know, everybody's different with how it affects them. And so with Tyler, it would come on at night. And so we would have, we multiple times, we were off to the emergency room in the middle of the night. Um, even after Lauren was born, you know, mom would come and we would call her in the middle of the night. She would come stay with Lauren and we would off to the emergency room with Tyler. And so that just happened multiple times. We had the nebulizer at home, little breathing machine and all that stuff. But um, you would, there was this like rhythm to it. Um, you would hear him like kind of cough, cough, cough. And Lord, please, Lord, you know, we're in bed, Lord, please. Mm -hmm. And you'd wake up to it because you just were so in tune to it. Lord, please mm -hmm. help our son breathe, help our son breathe. And then cough, cough, cough. And there was this, this like, God, I, you know, we are doing all the things we are 
we are following you. We are serving you. Mm. Why are you not? We are asking you for healing. You say to ask, why are you not healing our boy? You know, there's this, we're doing, you start to think that way. We're doing mm-hmm. this and you're not do, holding up your end of the bargain. And the truth is God never promised us that our son would not have asthma. Um, and yet that was the thinking. And so the battle that went on at night and you know what, like, I'm, I just feel like things are much cloudier at night than in the daylight. And I don't know what that is, mm-hmm. but it just feels like, so we would, Johnny and I both, you know, we would talk about it later, but we would both do this wrestling in our own hearts with the Lord during the night. And then, you know, you're up and you, you know, doing all the things you do, the breathing treatments and they're not working. It's then to the ER and, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, but I do recognize looking back, I do recognize that wrong thinking of feeling mm-hmm. like God owed us the health for our son because we were doing the things of God. We were serving in ministry. We yeah. were doing the things that that looked, you know, looked good and they were they were good things. But the result of that does not mean that we wouldn't face trouble. Again, we're back at that John 16:33. In this world right. you will have trouble. We should expect trouble and hardship. Um but you know, we know that God has overcome the world. So that's, I think one of the, one of the big places where I distinctly remember having to wrestle through that. And then that begins to impact my relationship with God. Um, because now I'm, I'm kind of mad at him because he's not doing what I've asked him to do. Now we have these days of these constant breathing treatments and having to, you know, do the steroids and trying to get our son healthy again. And, um, and I just remember having to walk through that. I mean, and I'm not saying like for days, I'm saying for years having to walk through like, why, why is this our story? God, mm-hmm. we love you. We serve you. And then having to learn that the hard way of that's not, that's not the promise. Life is hard. Um, and we serve him in response to what he has mm-hmm. done with us, not to earn good things and favor, but that's a hard lesson to learn when you're in the midst of it. So I don't know what you listeners are facing right now. Um, some, I mean, there are hard things that we deal with, you know, there's loss of loved ones. There is broken relationships. There's hardship in relationships. There's, there's real physical need. Like I, we get it. We get it. There are real things going on, but this, this transactional faith is we want to make sure that we're not, we're not living in a transactional faith of, you know, God, I did this for you. Now you owe me this because that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not truth. That is a lie. Yeah. I'm noticing there's a nuance between what you shared and what I shared. We're talking about the lie, you know, I've been good. So God owes me this transactional faith. And Jodes, you talked about, you know, saying, Hey, I've done all the things right. So you should heal my son. Mine is kind of the the flip side of that, of I've done everything right. Why does it seem like the people who haven't done everything right seem to be advancing and I'm not? So it's, but it's the same thing. And at the root of both of them is self-righteousness. It's yeah. I deserve because of me. Oh, yuck. That sounds gross even coming out of my mouth. But Romans 11, I want to point out Romans or read Romans 11 to us, um, just as verses 34 through 36 says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Hello. 
for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Whenever there's a self-righteousness going on inside of us, we need to be reminded of who is God and who isn't. And he is, and I'm not. Yeah, that is so, so good. And what a great, um, just a noticing in our two different versions of stories, Shauna, because that really shows us that this actually shows up in a lot of different ways. So we gave two examples, but this show, this can show up in a lot of different ways in our thinking. And I think it's, it's just healthy and good to slow down and, um, really evaluate kind of what is driving it because the heart of it, you just said self-righteousness, you know, I'm always mm-hmm. looking at how this impacts me. I'm always, I, I, I am always going to have it from my perspective. Um, that's how I'm always going to process things. So I need to really make sure that I am doing a, some self-checking to see if right. this is coming out of my selfishness, my self-righteousness, um, my me thinking, or is this actually the way of God? That probably gets to the heart a lot to a lot of these lies that we believe, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And being in God's word is, it's, it's so important. I just, I hope you have a practice of meeting with the Lord regularly in his word. And if you don't now would be an awesome time to just start opening up scripture and, and spending time with him. And, and as we read through scripture, there's kind of a filter that I frequently use. And it's just simply, I'll read a chunk of scripture and then I'll ask the question, what does this say about God? What does it reveal about his character? And what does it say about humanity? Is there a part of that that relates to me? You know, what does the scripture say about me as a person? And is there a command for me to obey? And is there a promise for me to grab hold of? And then to walk away from our time with the Lord, living into that, believing what he has said as truth and then, and recognizing like we're doing, we've been doing all this year and we'll continue to do just recognizing the lies that seem to find their way into our thinking and then actually influence our life and become a part of our behavior and our relationships and the work that we do. And just our thoughts are so influential. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely very powerful. So again, today we've talked about the lie. I've been good. God owes me that transactional faith. And the truth is what God, the the word of God constantly is pointing, um, shows us how God is reaching toward us all the way to sending his son to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sins. So anything that I do, any good that I do is in response to what God has already done for me. That is truth. God is good all the time. And we are, we need to constantly be leaning into relationship with him and trusting him. The verse that we have kind of chosen as our overarching theme for this series and this year is Romans 12, one and two. I'm going to read that. It says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this renewing of our mind, we want to make sure that we are um, we are renewing, we are speaking truth over lies that we believe because just as Shauna just said, 
when we are living in believing that lie and living into that, then that impacts our actions and what we do and how we're living out our lives. And we want to be living for God in response to the love that we have received and the grace that we have received from him. So thank you so much for joining us on this journey. We just counted a privilege to be able to process this stuff out with you real time and kind of share where we're struggling and what we're learning um, you can reach out to us at on Instagram or Facebook, Real Sisters, Real Talk. And remember, we serve a real God and he really loves you.